Nearly four years ago, Bungie offered to players of its mega-hit franchise a bevy of tools to record, construct, and interact with their beloved game. Activision's talking about the same thing for its own Evergreen, and they're calling it Call of Duty Elite. Do the latest advertisements for Star Wars, The Old Republic, Augur Hope, or Doom for space-based MMOs? And, hey Microsoft, welcome to E3! What's in the bag? Anything? I'm Michael Ubali, James Day, Ed Kirchgesner, Heather Richtmeyer, and Adam Bogert will discuss all that and more on the June 6th Game & Player Podcast. So it's essentially the service that Bungie has had for, what, how, how many years? And this is news? Yeah, it's... <laughs> the thing that excites me about this a little bit, and the funny thing is that the features that I think intrigue me most are those which they've already come out and said are going to be free features, things that you would not have to pay a subscription fee for, are the concept of groups, and uh, then an actual clan management structure. Um, the, the group idea for most of us probably won't mean much because you probably already have enough people in your friends list to play with online that you're not hurting to find others to play friendly games with. But the idea of being able to search for games or players based on locale, based on really any criteria that people feel to sort themselves under, sort of in like a Facebook network sort of sense. You know, I went to Syracuse University, so I'm going to find the Syracuse University group. Definitely an interesting concept, especially when you consider the fact that leaderboards are going to be integrated with these groups. Yeah, one thing that I find very interesting is the kind of uh, cross-sections that you can take from stats. Um, I think a lot of us did like to go back to after-action reports on uh, Bungie.net and see how many kills we'd gotten with a particular uh, weapon of choice. Yeah, um, how horrible my kill-death ratio was. Or how good it was. Um, <laughs> yeah. But now you'll be able to compare yourself, as they say, with a friend if you want to have a friendly rivalry, or somebody who you've just seen, uh, be his name uh, Scorpion or uh, uh, otherwise. Oh my um, god, it's Scorpion. Scorpion! Um, <laughs> because there are fun little uh, rivalries or chance meetings that you have that you remember for a long, long time, and if uh, there are no funny characters in the player's name, then you can track them uh, for the uh, for the duration of their play. That that's kind of cool. I'd have to say, looking at the uh, the short list that Activision has released, a lot of these, like you say, Heather, are are not oh wow things like access Elite through the web as well as Elite's free custom uh, uh, iOS and Android applications for smartphones and tablets. Well, I mean, couldn't you do that with? Uh, Bungie service if it's not already available with a slight tweak um, little things like that obviously we've seen that for years from Bungie but what is significant though is that in spite of the uh, risk of uh, pattern degeneration that you finally exhaust this franchise this IP for everything it's worth Activision continues to get out a game a year and every other year on the uh on the same topic in the same subgenre, so we need bigger flipping guns. Yeah, well, <laughs> this I think this 
on one hand will be an answer to the okay what are they going to do to change up the game this time um because they do seem to have a winning formula with modern warfare 2 i would say and uh fighting on the peak of the uh eiffel tower doesn't exactly draw me in personally Uh, but uh that sounds a little uh let's see how many times i died from accidental suicide by falling off the edge it could be i mean that in itself is just one of the one of the pieces of the package but I think it's significant that these features will be available for a massively popular game. That's what's important. People will right. be people will be playing this game, will be playing this game, I know, for the next two years or so. But now we may be able to do most or all of the things that we were able to enjoy uh, with Halo 3, particularly. I think Halo 3 was probably our, our uh, uh, set of Halcyon days when it came to this. And I was actually looking back at some of the screenshots that we had taken, a lot of the videos that we had done. Um, and it really brought back some good memories. It, it, it was pure nostalgia. And Yeah, I still have... I saved a video of me uh, sniping Masakuni in the head from halfway across the map because I was proud of that. Those are cool things. I, <laughs> I, I don't know if a Call of Duty game would be able to generate the kinds of uh, uh, feats that Daring do, just the ridiculous uh, yes. uh, situations that you see in Halo. It certainly doesn't have the same physics engine, but... Uh, there might be some interesting interesting things that people can put together. I don't know if uh, it, it'll go as far as uh, Bungie's Forge, if they ever go that far, or if the, uh, the, the weight is on social aspects like this. But um, yeah, it should be interesting. I, I, I can see it being helpful. Uh, as far as, uh, uh, oh, let me find people who went to Syracuse University, but... Or find people in a group. I was... It was just an example, man. <laughs> Do I really talk like that? Um, <laughs> Halo 3, and that was a bit difficult to organize, just with keeping track of people and contacts and limited Xbox Live friends list. Yeah, and then did, didn't they actually remove clan functionality after Halo 2? Yes. I don't. There was no clan functionality in 3 at all. I think because they found that redundant with friends lists. I think, right. maybe? Yeah. Maybe. I, I, I'm trying to remember. I can't remember exactly why. I'm. I, I remember there being a very obvious reason. But I've never I've never missed it per se, but it's it has been sort of it, it, at least for anyone who's come from a PC uh, gaming background, it sort of seems like a pretty big thing to not have. But um, my only concern would be this potentially being a Facebook like uh, uh, error of uh, naivete that was Bungie's foray into open channel. With strangers, if you mm. guys recall Halo Two, there was something called proximity voice. You would speak through your uh, through your headset, and uh, regardless of whether they wanted to hear it or not, people would hear you. Especially uh, if they were on the other team when you died. Um, yeah, I guess I guess in their closed testing, Bungie thought that people would say, "Hey, man, you're awesome. That was a really good shot." But I got you this time. Ooh, can't wait to fight you again. And uh, all manner of uh, four-letter words were learned right. by 
you know, uh, several. Which of course, is what happens when you play test using a group of thirty-year-olds who are, you know, earning six figures as Microsoft employees. You know, obviously, they're going to behave differently online when they're doing this as part of their job than, you know, Timmy Smith. Yeah. So my concern would just be: is there going to be an enormous amount of a trolling where you have these joke groups? Um, or a potential for harassment or something else, or are you going to get the wrong kinds of associations? I mean, knowing the kind of demographic that unfortunately plays Call of Duty games, is there going to be a default group, like hood-wearing clan members, and you have to opt out of that to join something else? I mean... Uh, yes. Yeah, actually, yeah, looking at some of the... Uh, I, there was some research not too long ago where people would go on Xbox Live and such with uh, names, you know, and they would get all this racial or such harassment thrown at them. It was pretty abhorrent, so that's certainly a possibility. I just don't know if if this foray into networking will work, um, that part of it. But if there are other features that make... Call of Duty, a multimedia experience, even though it isn't original or especially timely, at least in terms of competition, I give Activision credit and want to see where they go with this. Yeah, no, it's something that I think has been a long time coming, and uh, yeah, fans are going to eat it up. I know I will. Um, I've, I've been wanting to, to parse stats in this franchise for as long as I've been playing. Um, and I think that it's one of the, the the last remaining weaknesses in the game's multiplayer component. But um, mm-hmm. the only other question I would have for you guys is uh, how often did you use Bungie's and well, Halo's film features? And would you pay to be able to easily upload film features from Call of Duty onto another service like YouTube? Yeah, that is the question, and just to clarify, Activision hasn't said exactly what will be a paid service and what will simply come with the game. Right. Right. I mean, I didn't use the Halo stuff that often. I'd use it whenever something particularly outrageous or hilarious had happened in-game, which, I mean, wasn't that often, honestly. I definitely wouldn't pay for it. I mean, you probably have an audience with, like, the machinima people mm-hmm. or wannabe machinima people. Um, I don't know. Honestly, like, that that's one of the questions I have about the service in general. It's like, first of all, what do you get when you pay for it? Because right now it seems like you don't get too much other than it looks like DLC. And I know there's still some question marks around what exactly that means. Is it playable DLC, I think? Right, or is it a new paint camo scheme for your guns? Right, you like, know, and who uses those anyways? <laughs> uh, yeah, so that that's one question. I, I find it interesting that this is coming from EA because you had Kotick talking about last year um, the need to start charging gamers for you know all this amazing stuff that's included in the online experience. And now it looks like they're creating a lot more work for themselves and they're providing all of that extra stuff for free that Bungie was including. I just think it's interesting. They were looking at Bungie services, you know, a year ago and saying, hey, Bungie's going to have to start charging you to be able to keep doing that. And now they're going to do it for free. 
right? And I think another issue that Bobby Kotick had is is that he was speaking to two audiences. In on one hand, he was speaking to shareholders, and now he's speaking to gamers. So I'm sure the reality of all this is going to be somewhere in the middle once the final product's released. You know, when we see exactly what we are getting for our money or for our not money, <laughs> if we choose to go the free route. I mean, um, I could always see R&D costs or cost of maintenance covered by a 3 to $5 price increase. That would probably be the easiest, most inconspicuous, and painless way to make it a paid service, or at least part of a paid service, rather than having some kind of additional subscription. Uh, Activision would just say, oh, you know, it's going to be sixty two ninety nine for the regular version. Enjoy. And Then what if you buy a used copy? Do you have to pay extra money oh, to get I'm that access? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we've seen publishers already play around with that concept. Um, yeah, they're, they're basically trying to dictate that you you are buying, you know, f- from the top of the supply chain, um, and yeah, that that is that's I, I never even thought about them basically charging in that regard. Say buying the limited edition copy, or even just a, a a standard edition of this game gets you access to certain elite functions. But then to if if you buy the game used to get access to the same content, oh, that'll be another twenty dollars. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I thought it was Project $10, but... Yeah, I mean, I, it looks 10, like 20, 10, 10 $15. It's extra money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Indeed. Well, I, I think one of the... One of the issues is, you know, who's going to have to pay for that? Like, this is the issue that I raised when EA's online pass was first launched. Is like, especially in terms of families or couples or something like that, are... Are second users in a household that purchases a new game going to be treated like used game purchasers? You know, if you've hmm. got two or three kids in a family, are you really going to add, you know, $15, $35 for each other kid to play on their own account? Um, I never even I, thought about that. And yeah, I'm, there's no way they could... The, I'm assuming the way that things are set up now, there's no way that, say, owners of a family account on Live can just have one copy of the game and make it work. They would need yeah, to exactly. show out. Jeez. So yeah, um, I'm thinking, and especially like you're talking about a game like Call of Duty or Halo. Now on the one hand, maybe this will you know, finally discourage young players who don't have that much extra money from playing games they're not old enough to be playing anyway. Right. <laughs> but, you know, fat chance. Yeah, that sounds so, highly optimistic. I, I'm just thinking... Yeah. It might improve the social aspects of the game, but yeah, it doesn't sound likely. Or murders between 14 to 17-year-olds will exponentially increase because they can find each other via Facebook. I don't know. Um, I I just can't see Activision getting itself caught in that web um, when it's trying to roll, roll this out. Um, you'd think that adoption would be their biggest interest. So... Well, it looks I'm like just it think is of the least. advertising potential. Sorry, Adam. Well, <laughs> no, I, yeah, th- that's okay. Yeah, I, I guess I, I would be surprised <laughs> if they tried to make it like online pass, and instead it was simply a part of the game. You, if you have the game, you go online. You can do all these things. As soon as you sell your game, you maybe if you have like a, a username and a password, you could go online and see your glory days. But you certainly wouldn't be able to uh, get the, uh, the the premium service. 
I don't know. That that would seem the, the, the most modular way of going about it and not having to worry about subscriptions. Just just a part of the game. They had all this R&D money. They made this stuff. They think that it'll keep Call of Duty competitive. I mean, who, who knows what research led them to this? But, uh, James, what do you think? Well, I have no idea, to be fair. Um, all I know is, like, Bungie's service. Um, like, they, their premium uh, service on theirs is called uh, Bungie Pro. And they the features are really just for the, the hardcore. Um, basically, it's the expanded... Uh, file share space um, mm-hmm. and the ability to uh, upload your videos to bungie.net and from there you can actually uh, export them to like a, a video file that you can use on your computer and do whatever with from there. Uh, that's really aimed at the really hardcore like Halo fans uh, and those who produce content like the the maps and photos and videos. So um Unless these kind of features are going to be in Call of Duty's version, um, I think Activision will probably mainly go with some sort of map pack, uh, maybe special offers or or cheaper pricing in their subscription version of Elite. Um, I mean, that's that's big concern of uh, a lot of the players is what yeah what stuff is going to be paid for uh a lot of people kicked off at first when the news of elite came out because everyone sort of assumed that they were charging just to play multiplayer um so yeah it would be interesting to see what they actually end up charging for and what stays free somebody oddly enough on my uh, facebook network posted the latest trailer from BioWare's upcoming MMO, Star Wars The Old Republic. And I clicked on it, I watched it, and as God is my witness, I forgot myself, forgot all the information I know, and thought that this was an IP on the level of Mass Effect. That they were bringing KOTOR back, and that it would be some kind of single-player, multimedia, conversational extravaganza. And then I came back to Earth, and remembered that it is in fact an MMO, which means it probably wouldn't have that kind of uh, level of uh, technical uh, achievement or polish, but it will be one of these uh, easily dispensed and uh, uh, least common denominator IPs. And uh, as I as I continued to uh, uh, fall to the uh, to the ground. Um, and consider just the, uh, the the problems inherent in this. Even though there has been a, uh, a Star Wars uh, MMO out before, we've seen, and there are space-based MMOs, we've seen the results, uh, we've reviewed the results of franchises uh, that are uh, taken by uh, designers to the MMO level and have seen that when you try to make a wide galaxy or a universe for players it's not as easy as it looks eve online seemed to figure out that you can create the impression of largeness when you uh 
pay attention to scaling and you build a lot of empty space and have these discrete points that are places that are planets but you don't actually try to get into the incredible size of what each planet would be we're talking if you're familiar with world of warcraft or anything else uh, uh multiple continents across multiple dozens scores hundreds of worlds and that's unless you're working with some kind of incredible uh, fractal generation process impossible um, yeah you'd have to do some form of random generation i think my concern for the old republic is that they're going to try and make the space feeling and they're not going to uh actually have really developed areas in any way it's going to kind of be if you remember uh mass effects planetary exploration yeah well it was it was very pat it was extremely limited um i think the the, the, the example I'm talking about is uh, Star Trek Online, which turned out to be a very compartmentalized, disappointing experience. Uh, James could uh, uh, cap that off uh, with, a, with a, a, a witty zing of, uh, of two sentences, I'm sure. But I think it, it tried to blend the, the easily scalable slash generic uh, world creation with um, highly cinematic and, I guess, uh, uh, polished content. And it's just difficult because all of that requires development time. Um, and I'm, I'm impressed with the apparent look of The Old Republic, but I just don't know if it's going to work when they, uh, uh, Bioware this is, uh, list a list of maybe 15 planets... Um, I mean that—that's not a universe. That's—I don't a couple know. Couple solar systems. Yeah. I. Well, what do you guys think? I mean, is—is is this a decent gamble uh, that that Bioware is making in terms of what people will expect, what what people will be satisfied with? I think because of Bioware's past um, products, they, they've almost doomed themselves to failure because. I think people are going to expect a story along the lines of, say, KOTOR and KOTOR 2. And A, they, it can't possibly be of that depth, considering the fact this is an MMO. Um, B, yeah, as they're trying to include all these other, uh, these other planets and the, the illusion of being able to go anywhere or do anything. Yeah, I, I'm not holding my breath for this one at all. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Just in terms of MMO stories, it's really difficult to do decent stories unless you do something to say establish the player characters as a certain discrete group. But yeah, right. In certain ways, I could almost imagine this game being more successful if they followed a model more akin to um, the, the the play in say Fantasy Star Online or um, the little bit that I know about D&D Online, um, the fact that you're, you're partying up with more of a discrete group of players as opposed to just venturing out and doing whatever you want to do with any ragtag mob you can assemble on the street, a la you know, World of Warcraft, where you're always seeing everyone. I think that instancing could actually help KOTOR a lot, but 
I think well, people would be unhappy because my old republic, not Knights of the Old Republic. Well, that was actually a that was a conversation Ed and I had. Um, <laughs> what was your what What was your question, Ed? About about timelines. Oh yeah, was was this taking place? Because you mentioned it looked like. Um, it kind of had a cell shaded animation look to it. I was curious if this was taking place during the Clone Wars era, or during the uh, you know the original Kotor era, or when when this is even supposed to take place. Yeah, to which I responded years that after the Kotor era, I believe. Yeah, but my point okay. is, it doesn't make a difference. It's always the damn same. You always yeah. have a Twi'lek. You always have a droid that resembles R2-D2. You always have a ship that resembles the Millennium Falcon. It's all the same. There's yes. Sith, Jedi. It, this happened 10,000 years ago, but it's... The technology hasn't advanced. Exactly. Well, nothing, nothing has advanced. And Solo's pants are still fashionable. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, at least um, I think they're banking on fans actually caring, because I... The the original Night Zero Republic games were kind of setting themselves up to be, you know, there, to be more of them. Um, like the second one, kind of left quite a few things open and ambiguous. And uh, it did, yeah. With the old Republic, they were already saying that, oh, find out what happened to Revan from uh, the Night Zero Republic, and you know, saying there's going to be some sort of side quest where you can. F- find out what the ultimate fate of you know your favorite characters from the old games are so yeah so i, I think I've they're, they're definitely seen some complaints about how they're handling revan so no oh, fanboys will be fanboys but go on james yeah so this kind of yeah it's like to to the general public they all they care about is that it's star wars um and I think the original Knights of the Republic kind of era allowed them to do whatever they wanted in a way, even though they still kept, you know, familiar elements like the Millennium Falcon looking big rust bucket in space and stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, I Evan think, Hawk, you know. It's yes. the, the Centennial Eagle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or the, or as uh, Space Quest's parody of Millennium Falcon, the uh, Aluminum Mallard. That's right. Always, the Aluminum uh, Mallard. Oh my god! That was a favorite one of mine. Good times. Um, that, that was Space Quest Three, wasn't it? Yeah, you had that ship in three and four. Okay, um, I'm sorry. Go on. But yeah, I think no. They're aiming the story stuff is for the, like the fans of the old games to bring them back in. Which, you know, sadly, I'm probably going to get suckered into that group, uh, even for just the first month to see how they uh, follow up on Kotor one and two. But yeah, on uh, on sort of the wider public they all they care is it's star wars i can i have a lightsaber um (laughs) (laughs) that's that's a minor concern of mine um and it's kind of drawn from the red letter media reviews of the prequels the plinket reviews um and one of the more lucid criticisms is that the original three movies were made especially that the first movie uh uh gave Jedi weaponry and Sith weaponry and their their tactical uh, nature, um, a a sense of mysticism by limiting the time on screen of the lightsaber. That when it came out, it was kind of like a samurai sword, and you knew that something big was going down. By the second movie of the prequels, Attack of the Clones, you have this this shot of uh, about half a billion jedis all with multicolored uh lightsabers every color of the rainbow and they're swinging them like they're foam bats um 
Is everybody going to be a Jedi? Is everybody going to be running around? Some people are going to be Sith, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, yeah. All right, I I, I retract Still my lightsabers. I retract my comment. My 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 comment. It, it's like these these essentially singular characters, and yet everybody's going to be one. Um, it, it it makes so much more sense when when somebody's a mage or a rogue or a or a a, a wizard uh, or a warrior. Excuse me. Uh, that that kind of works, but when it, it just seems. I don't know. Maybe and, maybe, maybe people enough, will be smugglers and other yeah, other what, types. What you're but worrying about is one of the things that people I think felt broke. Um, Sony Star Wars Online. Yeah. Um, the fact that you weren't some great player in the in the universe. You know, you were just a spice trader. Being a spice trader is not that exciting. You're oh, trading, yeah. trading spice. Oh, so what you're saying is that by allowing everybody and his brother to be a Jedi, it will do well for the game. Uh, well, I think that's probably Bioware's hope, but yeah. I, I don't think there's a right answer to this because I, I agree with you. I, I think that Star Wars stops being Star Wars when everybody's the most powerful person in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, it makes it more problematic for all the non-Force-using character classes because they have, you know, spies and smugglers and bounty hunters and all of that. And how do you balance that while still keeping... Just give them bigger guns. Yeah, right. I mean, World of Warcraft defended the uh, the Death Knight, which was introduced in uh, 2008's Wrath of the Lich King, being a hero class as it had a definite storyline, it had a very particular place in the uh, the mythos, and it started at level 55 of 80 levels. Um, And people, of course, joke that imbalances early on were the cause for its being called a hero class, but at the end of the day, it's no better or worse than any of the other classes. Whereas with a Jedi, I mean, you'd probably have to do a lot of bending of Star Wars mythology to say that a lowly rogue with a blaster is as good as a Jedi with uh, uh, physics bending abilities and uh, a lightsaber. Maybe back in the day, the Jedi Academy wasn't as selective. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> or and that's another there were uh, reason. A lot more people using some of the materials that were resistant to lightsabers and such. I believe that was the conceit they used for some of the. Oh, okay, okay. Lost technology. Yes, yes. I'm so, well, Did George Lucas have anything to do with this idea? <laughs> <laughs> Gungas. Oh, no, no. Ah. What was that, James? Well, I was going to say that was one of the reasons why they decided to set this, you know, far before the the movies was so, yeah, they could explain having a million Jedis doing, roaming around doing whatever they wanted and uh, not upset the, or directly upset the established canon, uh, so to speak. Uh. But um, I, th- I think if Bioware uh, are smart, um, and hopefully they... Obviously, there'd be a big push for this game is trying to make it a, uh, the most cinematic MMO ever. Um, they're touting, you know, hundreds of hours of spoken dialogue and even brought some of the actors back from the old uh, KOTOR games. Um, so if they're smart, they will use so- some kind of instancing to at least make sure that important story moments aren't messed up by, say, you know, uh, other random... Randoms online jumping around in the background of a dramatic moment, um, and that kind of 
MMO nonsense. So, yeah, I, I hope they do that, but not to the extent of um, Star Trek Online, uh, which is one of the worst examples of instancing where the whole galaxy, uh, especially the space stages, um, when you're traveling between planets, just felt like a series of interconnected boxes and not actually open space. So I think they, they've got to find a balance there. Obviously, like you were saying before, they need a you know, to provide a believable, expansive galaxy, but maybe limit the amount of players that you actually can interact with at one time so it doesn't seem like there are a hundred Jedi doing this, you know, one important story quest that's supposed to be important to your character. Yeah, and you do tend to see that on, say, World of Warcraft. You'll you'll be at this pivotal point in the story and talking to this grand hero, and then you've got Mountain Doomy jumping up and down. Um, or them announcing the that Mount exactly. Doomy is now the hero that you were just announced to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you you move on like it's a like it's a tour. Um, so yeah, that that's that's interesting. The the last little bit that I might uh, leave us with is the promised feature of companion characters with whom you can begin a romance. Uh, oh, Bioware. <laughs> <laughs> really? Can't resist. Yeah. That sounds really? about like the best commentary. We allow male-female romances, male-male re- romances, female-female romances, and male-female droid romances. Wow. Male-female nice. droid? I made that part up, but I mean... <laughs> I, oh, well, I'm sold now. Is, <laughs> isn't that the, oh. next, uh, the next step? Oh, R2. <laughs> <laughs> Well, give him credit, though. That it's quite ambitious for an MMO. I mean, has this been done before, like in a convincing way, in an MMO RPG? Not really. No. In a convincing way, in a game, even. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that's that's philosophical. Player-driven roleplay, <laughs> yes, but I don't think there's much convincing about that. That's, yeah. Yeah. Well, apparently, what they said is that the. The, the the path of those romances will be very much like Bioware games, where in in the paraphrase of one of the developers, you could really blow it if you if you do the wrong things. Uh, so I guess that implies a similar uh, morality scale or something. And maybe to this that could effect. be something that they could give you achievement score based on. You know, how many conversations did it take you to bag the blue lady? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, know, exactly. I, I did it in five conversation trees. How about you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Compliment, 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 present. Sympathy, sympathy, compliment, present. Score. Because that's really how relationships are compared. It, oh, exactly. Completely, completely. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I've heard that girls like gifts, too. <laughs> and if you can find the perfect gift for, you know, their You'll get like 10 that, that was points where of being liked with them. points, yes. 10 yeah. like points. Well, if, if you like that, you'll love Dragon Age. Because that's basically how half of it worked. Oh, ooh, ooh. all right, but I yeah. but I digress. Um, that that in itself is kind of an interesting concept, um, just because it's like a single player element in a, in an MMO. I mean, I don't think anybody would help you. You know, <laughs> let's let's let, like let's for, let's form a party to to. So, but dude, you could be my wingman. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Oh, Bioware. <laughs> I hope they're listening because I think we've had some great, great ideas of how this could pan out. <laughs> oh wow! 
Well, if they are listening, my big question is how on earth is this financially going to work out for them? I mean, mm. we already discussed how expensive this game is. And I'm just thinking, like, first of all, who's going to play this? Star Wars fans and MMO fans, right? Yeah. So, okay, first of all, if you play MMOs, you probably are kind of already entrenched in something. Like, you're probably busy enough that you're, you're going to have to think before you're ready to just go ahead and pick up another, you know, something. It's huge. It's a big commitment, it, you know, to actually play through one of these. Um, or download. Right. And then, like, not everybody who's a fan of Star Wars is willing to commit to an MMO either. Uh, in fact, I dare say many of them are not. Um, and I'm just wondering, like, honestly, how many people do they need playing this game to recoup the tremendous amount of money they've put into it? The statistics uh, I saw were maybe 500,000 or a million. I mean, that's, yeah, that's over a, a long period of time. Regular right. subscriptions. They need to hold on to that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if they'd be able to match the, the magic combination that got uh, Blizzard its 11 million plus. And I think so much of Blizzard's success really was timing. Yeah. yeah. You know, they, they were Great. filling sort of a vacuum. They were, they were providing new newness where, you know, what was around prior. Uh, it, EverQuest. It was all yeah, EverQuest, and that was pretty much it. Maybe there were still some people playing Ultima Online on 10-year-old computers at the time. But, um, yeah, no, I, I think Blizzard had a lot going for it, um, and timing was everything. It's going to be hard for anybody to replicate that success. Now, that's not to say that, especially with a, with a, a franchise like Star Wars, it's perceivable that, yeah, you could have 500,000 or a million people that would stick with this game for you know a couple of years and see how it pans out but um yeah i think bioware really does have its work cut out for them all Maybe right well, windows. <laughs> <laughs> well um, yeah as a mac user um <laughs> no i it's funny i am a mac user the only console that i own is an xbox 360 however uh so of course every year i look forward to to e3 you know, to Microsoft's press conference most because the other stuff's like, oh, that's exciting and it doesn't pertain to me. Yeah. Um, the last year, I will say, like, Nintendo just... I came really close to buying a Wii this year just because of how great Nintendo's press conference was last year. Mm. Um, so honestly, I don't know. Looking, looking into E3, I think it's a very good question. What does Microsoft have? Like, honestly, I was... Uh, now that I finally have money, looking at you know GameStop's upcoming releases list and just going through and saying, oh, I'm excited for this, I'm excited for this. And the truth is, there's very little there. Um, right. I, I have a very, very short list of games that I'm excited about for the next, you know, what, I think the list went through till the end of 2012, and we all know those dates aren't going to last. But <laughs> honestly... I don't really know. They're going to do another Gears game. Uh, there's a lot of speculation that they're going to announce whatever uh, the first non-Bungie Halo title may be. Uh, so, you know, there, there's an interesting bone of contention. You know, Bungie's gone. That doesn't mean Halo's gone. And you, you could say that, you know, like, I don't know. I wonder how many people care whether Bungie's involved with it. I care, but I also stopped 
playing Call of Duty when Infinity Ward, or Infinity Ward is it should have been, uh, ceased to exist. You know, I don't buy Treyarch Call of Duty games, but a lot of people obviously buy it if it has Call of Duty on the cover. So is Bungie's Adam? In my defense, uh, the last game I bought was Modern Warfare Two. Okay, dude, that's, 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 that's what I'm playing. So um, we're still cool. We're still okay, cool. Okay, okay. See, I'm, I'm 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 with you on that. Like, yeah, I've never I mean, played a Treyarch game, so yeah. it it that's just because I care about that, but a lot of people don't. Are you guys gonna probably pick up a a non Bungie Halo game? Uh, it depends on the reviews. It. it, it would have to be pretty good. I mean, it depends on the game itself, but uh, without going too much into detail, I always loved the old Bungie's style, the style that you saw back in Marathon, where he had all these weird noises and these unpronounceable enemies and this convoluted storyline that you could read in entirety via these uh, these little booths. We actually saw a glimmer of it in Halo Three when you did the uh, the right. terminal uh, uh, extra credit the uh, the bonus and you just had this wild story going on between these these dead precursors um it was incredible and i i liked that and it was gone by the time we hit halo 2 um and everything just is this i feel like halo has gone the way of fast and the furious honestly and i it's just it, it's it, it's meathead i i find some interest some enjoyment in halo reach um, multiplayer, but I just found the single player to be an absolute uh, a snooze fest. No, so what you're saying, Mike, is you respected Bungie when they were a, a, a Macintosh game maker. Oh! <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> wow, international incident. I am Gavrilo <laughs> Princip. <laughs> Except somebody else fired the gun. Um, recently is supposedly they have screens of Windows 8 now. Yeah, well, it's just like, I... To, to, to answer Adam's questions, because I have already been going too long, probably not. It would have to be one hell of a game, not, not whoa, it's Halo, elites, you have a gun, you shoot them, you're a super soldier. That, that, that just doesn't, you know, it just, it, it doesn't get me. I want to see a graphic novel on, on the screen. That's, mm -hmm. that's what I want to see. I want to see something that, that takes imagination. And it just isn't flashy and uh, uh, you know full of explosions. Um, my thought on Microsoft generally is, with with, with no evidence, just intuition um, and a wandering mind, uh, is Microsoft coasting right now because they think they can? Are they looking at the market and wondering if it's worth uh, the uh, the 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 time to bring out something that is groundbreaking. Have they really seen the numbers that they want to see with Connect? Um, are they perhaps looking at the next generation? We are coming up on year seven of the seventh generation. Um, you know, we, 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 we assume that Sony and Microsoft are satisfied with their, with their consoles, but are they looking to the next, the next level? And they're waiting a little bit to, uh, to, to bring that out and in the meantime they're not necessarily going to bring out any big guns yeah they right. might be also observing what nintendo is doing at e3 because they're supposed to be having new console stuff which i'll admit i'm not that excited about because their recent hardware 
pieces just haven't been interesting to me, so expectations mm. aren't that high. Yeah. James? I, I think Microsoft needs some new game franchises, personally, because Halo is kind of feels like we've seen it all at this point. Um, I mean, if rumors are to be believed, we might be seeing uh, some sort of Halo 1 remake uh, announced at E3, which, I don't know. It, like you were saying, Mike, I kind of want to see something new from out of the Halo experience, because, uh, yeah, like you were saying, with Reach, this single player was kind of like been there, done that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we've kind of seen them exhaust their other... Uh, first party exclusives as well fable 3 came out last year so we probably won't be seeing a, a new one of them for a while um gears of war 3's out this year and they haven't really got many other big names that i can think about um at all uh let alone coming out this year uh connect is definitely something you'd hope they're going to announce some potentially new franchises for at e3 but yeah it's uh kind of slim pickings in the near future at least for 360 uh, fans is a little bit worrying well I, I saw an article the other day um, which was talking about rumors that have been circulating about a uh, I guess some sort of TV network or TV subscription through the Xbox um, is this the long fabled that... IPTV thing they announced, like back when so, the 360 was coming like out? <laughs> I, th- I think yeah. that I think that might actually potentially see the light of day. At least that's that's what very trusted sources are saying. Apparently, well, you wasn't know, there a talk about a, a partnership between Microsoft and AT and T's UVerse to make this happen? I, I, I thought back in the day that would have been the uh, the partnership, but AT and T's what? Yeah, uh, Uverse. It's um, oh, AT&T's yeah. silly name for their. It's, don't even get me started. Their broadband solution. Yeah, um, it's combination TiVo, cable, and internet. Okay. You basically had people going around like these these peripatetic uh, uh, disciples, uh, uh, declaring the good news of AT&T and Uverse, and sold it to uh, umpteen suburbanites. Uh, my, my, my parents have it and it's okay. Um, it, it's it, not the second coming. Uh, what? No. Not the first coming either. Well, no. I'm, okay. I'm going to guess between AT&T's collaboration with Apple. It's, it's not terrible. And between all of the Verizon ads on, <laughs> on, you know, the Xbox that if we're going to see it through, um, a, a typical phone provider, um, although obviously Verizon's branched out a lot too, my guess is it would be through them. Yeah, the one thing that's interesting though is if a telecom company takes care of this this partnership, no telecom company has access to all markets. So mm-hmm. I, I I would wonder why would Microsoft even pursue this if say only fifty percent or perhaps even less than fifty percent of their their users could utilize said service. Um, there's already enough issues with their ESPN online portal because if you don't have the right ISP, you can't use the content or you can't access the content. Um, that's been a huge disappointment for me, being a Time Warner subscriber. Um, so yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see if they do indeed finally 
come through with you know some of these things. But um, yeah, I, I just don't really see it as being practical because they'll be missing out on more than half the country. <laughs> well, uh, back on the Connect for a, a second, they have actually confirmed the uh, presence at E3 of the Star Wars Connect game that was kind of shown in sort of tech demo-y form last year. I remember that, uh, yeah. Yeah, it looked... That trailer looks like heavily just CGI. It, it They didn't show anyone actually playing it. So, yeah, that's one of the, the, the problems that people are theorizing about this game is how well can uh, any sort of game where you need to, you know, the actual physically holding of something like a sword... Uh, how would that work on Connect? And are Microsoft going to concede to allow any kind of extra peripheral, um, you know, in the style of Move or or the Wii Remote? Um, but that is, yeah, that one game that's definitely going to be unveiled properly uh, for the Connect. Um, there's also been persistent rumors that there's going to be some sort of Halo game with Connect, and there was recently a Mass Effect cover that was supposedly pulled down that said uh, Mass Effect 3 was going to support Connect in some way. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Connect Better is with Connect. Yeah. Interactive romance. That would be yeah, But, um... Yeah, no, what people were theorizing with that was just uh, because it's a squad-based game, people were saying you could use your hand to, like, motion for, you know, to, to make your team move forward or put, hold back. And Oh, jeez. Oh, my gosh. Com- uh, combined with Mass Effect's less than satisfying AI. Move, move, move. No, 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 come back, come back. No, 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 go over there. Oh, my God, he's dead. All right. You know, so you have to use your hand to go through the menu to restart. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Maybe, maybe that's that's the theory. Sorry, and, uh, I'm, I'm. Do I sound cynical? <laughs> you always yeah. sound cynical, Mike. It's okay. <laughs> well, they they haven't given us much, uh, you know, encouragement not to be with Connect because so far they've not really provided groundbreaking games. I mean, Dance Central is, you know, the game that everybody says is is the best out of the Connect launch lineup and since then we haven't really seen many if any major releases and that came out like last year last holiday season so Dance Central 2 possibly um <laughs> here's a thought yeah. here's a thought um this is this is free marketing advice to Microsoft uh tell me is there any kind of mass market mass uh, multiplayer flying game. Mm. Not unless you count Eve. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there is. Uh, Star Wars IPs do seem to be popular, not necessarily successful in uh, 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 development and, uh, and launch, but they're an evergreen. Okay. Ed, do you know where I'm going with this? Keep dreaming, Mike. Keep I dreaming. think now, I have the, an idea where you're going. It's interesting, either. Mike. Just last year, LucasArts had a, a long string of announcements of products they wanted to bring out on Steam, on Xbox Live, on a number of other services. And they were wryly hinting around an Xbox, or I'm sorry, an X-Wing or a TIE Fighter resurgence on some of these platforms. And a lot of people felt that 
updating, say, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter and bringing it to Xbox Live would be perfect because that game never had that much input. Uh, you never had to use the keyboard for that much uh, short of you know managing your shields. Mm-hmm. You could do all easy. these things. with. It was very easy. You could do all these things with a joypad. Um, but we haven't heard a darn thing about it in the last year. So um, I think that's... That, that is fresh. It's not absolutely groundbreaking, but I think you'd have huge buy-in among both the Halo and the uh, the Call of Duty crowd. And you could apply that, that, that general genre to any number of historical or fictional universes. Yeah, my fear, though, is that it would just sort of be shoehorned into the, um, the arcade genre. And... Um, uh-huh. You know, $15 games are great, and people love playing them for about two weeks. And well, I guess uh, I'm thinking not a $15 game. It would be it would be something along the lines of the original X-Wing, but the idea uh, would carry to large groups of players. Maybe 8 on 8, maybe 16 on 16. Something, something big, but something different. Something other than the traditional first-person shooter... Uh, though perhaps buoyed by a reliable and endlessly attractive property. I don't know. No, I, I think it would be awesome. I mean, and don't get me wrong, I'm a huge fan of the genre. I mean, it's a genre which has always struggled on consoles. Um, Ace Combat being the only franchise I can think of that really had staying power and still, you know, it's not a hugely popular franchise. I don't know why that is. I don't know why people are so against playing a flying game on a console. I think part of the problem is that so many flying games have the crummiest interfaces imaginable. Yeah. I mean, well, that would be you, step one. You did have the, the Rogue Squadron Star Wars games um, on the GameCube and N64. And uh, yeah, there yeah. were like three or four of them. They were, I mean, they weren't the, the X Wing experience, you know, the, the free. Uh, kind of flying full control over the the ship you'd you know because the x-wing games were more simulation right uh, right than right. most games um but yeah ever since uh rogue squadron on the gamecube the the one that came out of launch uh the the graphics were cutting edge back then and still look they're still amazing. impressive today well yeah. i mean and le- as soon as i saw that i was crying out for uh, an update of x-wing and you know with right. these kind of graphics so i don't want to see another battlefront game i mean yeah battlefront had its day and it, it's all about quantity over quality I, I i would be looking for something that would be more like a sim but again as far as sims go x-wing was was simple it really was. It, it it wasn't complicated. It it was easy to learn. It was fun. You could you could tailor the missions if you wanted to have a single player component for the vast majority of gamers. I don't know. That's my thought. It's again it, short of finding a latter day Maxis. I I I'm not sure where Microsoft is going to get uh, this this uh, shining uh, leading light of an IP. Granted, they surprised us in the past, so we can hope they do so again. Yeah, this could be yeah. a highly effective effort of uh, deception. Well, uh, Rare could surprise us. Maybe <laughs> there's an outside chance. I mean, they've been. <laughs> shepherded off to do these connect sports and these type of casual games Uh, but you know who knows they could be cooking something up uh, in secret and use some kind of platformer or something Um, 
who knows? But that, that's really only the wild card of developers that Microsoft have. Um, they haven't really got, haven't, I mean, their style is to acquire, obviously, other companies um, and then make blockbuster hits for them like Bungie. Um, and they haven't done that for probably since uh, they bought Lionhead Studios, Peter Molyneux's uh, yeah. development right. house. So, yeah, uh, it is worrying. We haven't heard much on that front, too. But who knows? Maybe Peter Molyneux will be is working on Milo still, and he'll have some epic and hyperbolic presentation for us at E3. And <laughs> It'll be the best game ever. For everyone that wants to have a ever. creepy, pre boy staring at them from <laughs> their, their television screen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, maybe maybe now, right? <laughs> we also need a... Uh, I'm sorry, go on. <laughs> Maybe they'll just, uh, you know, go ahead and hire Peter Molyneux just as a, a PR man instead of a developer and just blow our minds with uh, broken promises <laughs> and uh, hide the fact that they don't have much to show at this E3 by, you know, promising <laughs> us the moon. Well, you know, James, Peter Molyneux has made some of the best games ever. Ever. <laughs> ever. 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 Such as the best RPG ever, Fable 1. Yes, yes. Yes, and the yeah. best sequel to the best RPG ever, which was Fable Three. Yeah. I think th- I think th- th- those were his uh, exact words, possibly. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I and I do think we need um, overacting uh, local theater representatives at uh, at these presentations with tons mm. of tons of camp. They certainly do prove amusing, at least. They do, yeah. I, I, I think Ed might be onto something. Maybe it is going to be quite a surprise. Or maybe it won't be necessarily original or novel, uh, but Microsoft's offerings will have our attention and uh, our anticipation nonetheless. Yeah, I think what it comes down to ultimately is just that. There's nothing on the radar that's exciting. So either they're going to try to cover that up and fail or they're going to surprise us. I don't really think any... Yeah, I, I think the games we already know about, we kind of already have opinions about. Any Indeed. any bets on some sort of late surprise like they've done the last two years? Obviously last year they uh, surprised the people in attendance by saying, we're giving you an Xbox 360 Slim each, kind of pulling the Oprah kind of act. And the year <laughs> before they... Uh, they did the uh, last-minute Connect uh, reveal. Uh, well, it wasn't Connect back then; it was Project Natal. Um, but any bets at all? They'll do something outrageous like that, or possibly even unveil or hint at a new console, the Xbox 720 or whatever you want to <laughs> imagine the name. <laughs> well, there's the whole question: Is there going to be a 3D thing? Is there going to you know, certain enhancements like that. I guess one of the biggest complaints about the 360 right now is the fact that it's still stuck on DVDs, and I just bought L.A. Noir and I have three discs, and it's become kind of a joke. You know, I don't know what the legal loopholes are for getting a Blu-ray player on a 360 or whether Microsoft's working on something to rival that. Um, on, I don't know. Honestly, in ter- it's just high definition is one of the things that the 360, you know, it has support for, but if your media is on a DVD, then you're not going to have high-definition content. You know, 
anywhere near the same quality. So they have room to expand just in terms of uh, the quality of what the 360 could output right now. Um, I don't think 3D is a good idea, but I don't. I never have. And I don't know whether Microsoft will think it's a good idea. Yeah, to respond to you, James, my guess is that Microsoft wagered on consumers having a lot more disposable income between last year and now than they actually had. So if there's going to be a gimmick, I don't think it's going to be as costly a gimmick. And let's please not end on that, because that's just... (laughs) (laughs) And gun in mouth, you know. (laughs) Ah, Mike... But maybe uh, well, this but year people will make money again. <laughs> that always helps. Oh, and you and your. <laughs> well, you know, we're not going to end with that, are we? They're going to be selling expensive peripherals for stuff. Well, you, you just know, turned into a robot, think, Heather. I don't think that the uh, that Connect would be really that outrageous if there were anything for typical gamers to get behind. You know, I I just think right now it's been too casual, and you know this is what I said. I actually think I wrote about this too a while back, which is like, yeah, my mom actually wanted to connect when she saw commercials for it, which is great. But my mom isn't a typical gamer or whatever, so it's a kind of expensive peripheral for people who are like, oh, that's interesting. Let me try that out. And really, we still don't have any good crossover games. For people who maybe, like myself, there's nothing that I would play with my mother, for example. And there's certainly nothing that I would play by myself. So, I don't know. You just mentioned it's an expensive peripheral. I think I think it, it's a little bit costly, but I think part of what makes it so expensive is there's not really anything to do with it either. How about a price cut? Any- that, that's quite quite possible i think especially since um xbox clearance been out for a while fire sale yeah they've been actually i know one thing that's been done recently is giving away the 360s with the purchases of some new computers mm-hmm. new yes. 700 dollars computers which doesn't make the deal yeah. particularly appealing to me it might be a, a politically timely populist move in perhaps what might be the last year before the next generation starts. 